Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 253rd edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the Professor Emeritus, Matt Perkins. And a sluggo route across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. Dude, if I tried to run a sluggo route right now, I'd probably destroy my hamstrings. I would probably sluggo my hamstring out. So, um, but I'm glad to be here. We got, apparently, uh, we got lots to talk about. Uh, Kansas is back in the news, and it's not because they reinstated their track, although they probably should. They, they really probably should. Uh, and a man who knows a lot about tracks and a man, uh, our third amigo in the second city, a man who is dealing with billions of bilious blue blistering barnacles. It's our <laughs> intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Josh, are you becoming the track coach at your new school? <laughs> sure, that'd be fun. I've never understood precisely what track coaches do other than give the advice of run faster. Um, it, it, it's a, uh, apparently throw, uh, it's they, a, they also tell you to jump higher and throw farther. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I can under I can understand in like the jumping events. There's form that goes into it. You can perfect your form. Same with the throwing elements, hurdles. Same. There's a form element that coaches can work with. Uh, relays, yes. Baton passes can be perfected. I think but, as a track coach with sprinters, all you do is sit those blocks down and go start. <laughs> yep. Okay, come back. Start again. Okay, come back. Start okay. again. Okay. So I, okay, I, I'm go going home. to. I, I have to out of pride. Push it's got to be up, stealing, right? Push back up against you guys because uh, Gordon you, Spieth, my high school you, track coach. You were a thrower though. Uh, well, or I was you only a full-time thrower starting my junior year. Before that, I was also a hurdler. Hmm. Uh, but my high school cra- track coach, Gordon Spieth, was uh, one of the great influences on my life. And uh, he's one of the reasons I ended up at the University of Wisconsin. So thank you, Gordon. And uh, he was a, a great person. But I will tell you that track coaches do coach sprinters. They do coach parents. They, they, you teach them on technique. You do some, uh, uh, you know, you, you do work with uh, overstriding and understriding and all this other good stuff. So uh, Gordon, phenomenal track coach. He was also a very good track athlete in and of himself. He was a decathlete at Dartmouth uh, before he was the track coach at Hanover. Um, actually, both of our, uh, both of the coaches, Gordon was the the head coach of our winter track, our indoor track. Uh, head coach and assistant coach for the uh, outdoor track team. Uh, our our uh, our coach for the spring track team, Coach Tim, was also uh, a runner from Dartmouth, and uh, he was also an excellent coach. But Gordon and I had a had a special bond, and I, uh, I actually I owe a fair bit of who I became as a uh, high school person, high school athlete to Coach Gordon. So uh, I'm going to shout Coach Coach Gordon Spieth out tonight. I haven't there thought about go. him in a Tag while. Him. Hope you're, Send him a message. Ho- hope you're doing well, Coach, Good. Uh, wherever you are these days. Maybe you're even still in the Upper Valley, still back in New Hampshire. Probably Josh. feeling better than our friends down at uh, University of New Hampshire in Durham are feeling after that tough loss to Albany 
over the weekend. Josh, you got some shoes to fill then if you're going to coach track. I mean, we got we got to get we got to work with you, man. Yeah. Uh, you got to you got to demonstrate the high jump. Oh boy. Okay. And the pole vault. Josh, how's your triple uh, jumping form? Triple jumping form is uh, I've never done the triple jump, so it's uh it's a work in progress to say the least. So imagine imagine for me, okay. Imagine taking a lawn chair, unfolding it slightly and then throwing it as hard as you can down a rocky hill. And that's my triple jump form. Ooh, I like it. Perfect. I like it. All right, guys. Well, before we get into our show tonight, I want to remind you that we are sponsored by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all that sports action. FCS football, as you guys know, if you're listening to this show, you definitely know FCS is in full swing right now as is the NBA. College basketball is heating up as the schools punch their tickets to the big dance. The tournament is coming, and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest, as Bet Online is the spot for all your bracketology needs. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head on over to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Gentlemen, I just talked about UNH. The game of the weekend, at least in terms of like competition and what was on the line. No, fine. We we can talk about (laughs) Coach Prime in a little bit. Um, We'll get to Uh. these games here in a little bit, but actually the first news we really need to talk about is the fallout of Les Miles at Kansas. We're recording this here Tuesday night. He was canned today, but if you've been following the news at all, you pretty much realize that since the reports came out from LSU on Friday, he, you know, the end was uh, going to be coming very soon, and it was today. Uh, LSU has conducted an internal investigation into their handling of a myriad of accusations of sexual misconduct and domestic abuse. And this has brought to light a litany of allegations and complaints directed directly at former LSU head ball coach and now former Kansas head coach, Les Miles. Between the years of 2005 and 2016, Miles had multiple multiple accusations against him and uh he was placed on administrative leave from kansas last week and then summarily fired today this will effectively end his career as a football coach he's 67 years old and at kansas on the field not much to look at three and 18 overall one and 16 in conference going oh and nine this year but the allegations and frankly the cover-up by the institution uh in baton rouge are both pretty damning josh yeah i mean this is this is a major major issue uh it's it's really perverse stuff i mean uh all three of us are educators uh um, in some form or fashion, obviously, Matt's just stepped out of that game, but his wife is in education. And, and there's something very clearly, which is 
anyone working in a school setting, we have to have very strict boundaries because there's a very clear power dynamic. Well, you have to hold yourself to a higher, so you have to be held to a higher standard. Yeah, you have to be held to a higher standard, and the the standard is there because of this difference in power dynamic. So if you are a young student at college, and let's be honest, I mean, they are young people. They're 18 years old when they go off to college. And you have, in Les Miles' case, a 50-year-old, 60-year-old multi-millionaire coach, the face of the university for many people, I'm sure... Most people know Les Miles. Almost no one knows the president of the university telling you, oh, hey, you know, come back to my house. There is a power dynamic there that he took advantage of uh, for some very based on the allegations. I mean, he was the highest paid state employee in the state of Louisiana, and he used that power and the cachet that comes with being the head coach of the Louisiana State University in order to, I mean, let's be frank, uh, commit what what is sexual assault against multiple young women, then the university covered it up. Yeah, and I mean, there's going to be two bits of fallout. for Kansas, uh, you know, they're not going to get any type of NCAA stuff with that. Uh, their fallout will be fairly minor, which is, you know, they fired less miles, but um, their athletic director, Jeff Long, probably not long for that job nice either. Part. Thank you. Um, you know, his coaching hires haven't been all that great. Uh, before we came to air, Matt was talking about, hey, this is the guy that hired Burt Bielema at Arkansas. So, I mean, he's got a little bit of a not-so-great track record for his hires. He claims he did his due diligence. Well, Oh, my God. Yeah, it, that, it, that, it, was the, that was the... Oh, no. Just keep your mouth shut, man. Yeah. Uh, that so was that, terrible. Yeah, that obviously wasn't... Uh, he didn't do enough, evidently. And then for LSU, I mean, uh, we've seen it time and time and time again. The NCAA hates the cover-up more than the crime. And so LSU football um, will be seen. Uh, LSU's LSU's uh, best hope right now is for the NCAA to be so mad that they put Louisiana Tech on probation. No, they'll 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 put uh, they'll put Monroe. (laughs) Monroe's screwed. Oh, I think they're going to. I think they're going to put Southeast Louisiana on probation. (laughs) Quite frankly, but the whole state except uh, for LSU. Except for LSU. (laughs) Um, Yeah, to 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 say this isn't uh, LSU's only scandal. LSU is starting to really, really look bad with all the scandals that they have. With you know, even going back to like. Uh, who who was that player uh, that apparently got a fight with a girl? Darius Geis. Yeah, Darius. No, before him, even. I mean, I mean. So you got Darius I mean, Geis. I think it was. I want to. I don't want to like throw this name out there, and then you know, then it be out there. And they're like, oh, he. It wasn't him, but um, it was a running back. It was when Les Miles was head coach. Um, 
So are it you all sure makes sense. Darius guys, because Darius guys had a lot of cra- a lot of stuff. There was a, a lot, lot of baggage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it was there was a lot of Darius guys sexual vibes. Well, uh, well, either way, there's been a lot of smoke with less with uh, Ed Orgeron. Yeah, I mean, so. a lot of smoke with Ed, Ed Orgeron, a lot of smoke with LSU. I mean, it, it's pretty it's pretty crazy that well, not crazy. It, it just it, it's a win at all cost attitude. Um. It's pretty crummy um, as a university. Uh, you know, you're, you're you're representing higher education, and even in the football world, you're still representing higher education, and and there's still a standard. If you're in if you're in national prominence, prominence, there's a standard that you have to live by, and LSU certainly isn't doing that. And I, I just think it's you know, for less miles to say some of the things that he said, like. Quote, we need blondes with big boobs, um, and uh, we need more pretty girls and stuff like that. And, and, and yeah, you want to hire the – you want to get the, the best and the brightest, but you don't want that to be the criteria. Like, you, you want it to be because they do a good job, not because they just have big boobs. And, and it's just the sexualizing of – students and stuff like that can make people feel real uncomfortable well, and then too. on top and of that because i mean we we, we we know like we all follow college football we know there is that sort of greeting committee if mm-hmm. you will for recruits and things like that yeah I on mean, top of that to try to then take these young women for himself yeah is it, it, because it, 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 it sets the expectations that not not only not only does he does he want that and prey on them, but he's expecting them now, mm-hmm. or that that on a, like without him saying it really, it mm-hmm. kind of sets that expectation that they're not just you know pretty girls showing recruits around and 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 giving their best um, of LSU. There's a underlying expectation that. Now they're supposed to go have sex with all these recruits, mm-hmm. and, and they're supposed to just do God knows what, and that's where the line is cro- like. Well, the line crossed way before that, but the line that's where the line has been like crossed back and forth. <laughs> well, and uh, and on top of that, coach, I think that it's this thing where it's he was also himself trying to cross that line if you will saying here yeah. get in my car and let's that's what network. set the expectation he called it networking by the way when he would <laughs> oh, try yeah. to, when he would put them in his car <laughs> with him huh? to yeah. network in giant air quotes it's and and he's yeah. not the only one that does this no um, but well, so, so someone we uh someone we mentioned earlier brett bielema was uh yeah. the, the, there are stories about him Doing that, there's, yeah. There's stories about thing. Jeremy Pruitt. There's stories well, that does not surprise me in the least. Obviously, the most infamous one with Bobby Petrino. Uh, I mean, you, you have these, you know. Well, you have these. You you have these men in power positions who are with, making millions and millions of dollars, and who that are, have who a are, high testosterone. Drive. Like the yeah. most powerful person on most of these campuses is the football coach. It's mm-hmm. not the it's not the chancellor, it's not the dean, it's not the president of the university, it's not the you know, who's ever in charge of the board of regents. It's the football coach or maybe and the And they basketball feel untouchable. Coach. 
And they feel untouchable. And they exercise that power and it it, it corrupts them. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, you know, I, I was, I, I think that it is, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I feel sorry for the young women that were put in this position. I do not feel any sort of sorrow whatsoever for Les Miles. Um, I feel like for Kansas, this is actually probably a good thing for them because it's let's the best it, thing that could have happened to them. They now, um, they, they, get, they, they effectively get to fire him for cause and so don't have to pay his $8.5 million. They still, they're still paying him $2 million in a settlement. Yeah, but they don't have to pay him 8.5. Yeah. And yes, they will have to start fresh again. But but as if they a, and if they get rid of Jeff Long, they're going to be like Kansas is going to wipe their hands of this, and they're going to be completely fine. They they may get a significant upgrade. I'm seeing some of the names that they're that they're that they're going after, and if they can get Jeff Monken or Lance Leopold for Kansas, I honestly honestly that's a home run. I think Grand Slam uh, walk off. I I think I think that the guy that they should and probably will probably pursue one of the people they should pursue is Will Healy. Yes, that would. Um, that I think would, Will Healy is probably. I mean, we saw what he did with one of the worst FCS programs. Yeah, taking it to the FBS man. Like he's been even once he's in at Charlotte, he's proven he can start to recruit a little bit. Yeah, um, he, he made Charlotte competitive, which also that's an, that's well, an accomplishment. Kansas, is, their 2021 class, best class in the history of the program. Quadarius Davis is the single highest ranked recruit to ever sign with the program. He's a wide receiver who signed with this class. He's a top, he's a top 50 player in the country at wide wow. receiver, highest. Rated recruit. Now, I mean, recruiting. Yeah. And we'll we see if it sticks together, though. We'll see if it sticks together. We'll see how many of these kids I think, ask I out. I think it will if they make the right hire. Well, we'll see how many of these kids ask out of their NLIs. Um, if they if they yeah. make the right firings. If they make the right uh, hirings. Uh, Mike DeBoard is going to be the interim. He was... But again, he was just hired in February to be the OC. He used to be the head coach at Central Michigan from 2000 to 2003. But well, down you know the go ahead, Josh. I, I was just gonna say one thing that you know I you were bringing up that there's kind of this uh, welcoming committee, hush hush type stuff, and you know maybe maybe he'll get exposed in his own scandal, and and uh, this will ultimately be a I can't believe he said this, but for his career so far. Uh, I have never heard of really any type of smoke with this stuff with Nick Saban in Alabama. And, you know, I was I was looking up, I was like, has Alabama had any major player scandals? And it's like, you know, no. I found an article, I found an article about it. And it's like, it's funny, it's from a Louisiana newspaper. So obviously digging Alabama and their headline was, you're on a roll, tied third Alabama player arrested in four days. And 
I, I'm looking at it. And it's like, well, uh, you had a kid arrested for DUI. I'm sorry. It's awful. But a lot of college students get DUIs, uh, football player or not, because you're young and dumb. And that happens. Yeah. Uh, I mean, player, okay, like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah coach, how many, uh, like, how many Georgia players can you name that have gotten DUIs off the top of your head? <laughs> uh, let's see. The whole roster from <laughs> 2002 <laughs> to uh, 2012. I mean, <laughs> everyone, man. I mean, it, it happens at some point. Um, uh, another player was charged with domestic violence and the exact same day was dismissed from the team. And here's a big one. Oh, my goodness. What, uh, what a uh, renegade program. Yeah, yeah. And oh, my goodness. How about this one? This kid was uh, was stopped because his car smelled of marijuana. <gasps> wow. I'm shocked. Shocked so to find out that college 18 kids to 23-year-olds are yeah. smoking marijuana. So, I mean, oh, no. yeah. I mean, we might ultimately get proven wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe you're a cynic and say, well, Nick Save is just better at hiding all of this stuff. But... He's had a track record now dating back to the early 90s at Michigan State where he just appears to run a amazing program. And it just goes to show you that not only did not only what Les Les Miles did was reprehensible, but in the grand scheme of things, it really didn't even work. No. No, he won one national title and won a second SEC title in 2011. He won a national title effectively with mostly Saban guys. I think it was just yeah. two years after Saban left. It was in his second season. Um, then he won the 2011 SEC title. And that's it? Yeah. And that's besides it. that, like, what, what, what do we know him for? Eating grass. Exactly. Exactly. Eating grass and saying weird stuff. Yeah. So I mean, um, and the do, show do on ESPN Plus. Do people even remember that he was the head coach at Oklahoma State? I not. No. I I sort of did. I had him. He my was the head coach before. I wanna, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, without looking it up, I'm gonna say he went 25 and 27, but his last few years they were a little bit better, and that's how he got the LSU job. Um, less miles at. Oklahoma State, his record was uh, 28 and 21. All right. Not bad. All right. Not he was bad. on the plus side of 500. Okay. Uh, after going four and seven his first year, he f- followed that up by going eight and five, nine and four, and seven and five. There we go. There we go. Well, circling back to Kansas, I decided to do an exercise in. Uh, well, for most people, it'd be stupidity, but for the three of us, it's it's absolutely brilliant. I think I'm going to do, uh, with your help, the remainder of the schools, and maybe in the offseason, we'll roll out some of our standings. But uh, this is a very, very rough draft of attempting to identify the best jobs in America and uh, trying to put a mathematical calculation to this stuff. So... Um, first up is your conference. And if you're in one of those monster power conferences talking about the Big Ten and the SEC, that's five points because uh, let's just be honest, the Northwestern job is better than like a lot of other jobs out there, even if it's the worst in the Big Ten or one of the worst of the Big Ten. Uh, four, yeah, four, four points for a mid-power conference. I mean, let's let's be fair, the ACC 
Big 12, not quite, not quite up there. And then low power conference. I'm sorry, Pac-12. You've been left out of the playoffs for a number of years now. Your cachet is just not there. Uh, high group of five and then low group of five. So um, team like Central Michigan gets just one point, and, and that's out of Whereas respect. Memphis gets two. That's fair. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that's sort of out of respect that we're acknowledging these FCS jobs are uh, inherently uh, more high profile than FBS jobs. Uh, recruiting goes from great for five points down to wasteland. And, that's and now you're purely, talking about in, the in-state talent the, available. The in-state correct? talent available only. Um, so, you know, a, a, a place like Idaho is producing just a handful of college-ready football players each year, whereas the Floridas, the Texases, the Californias are producing tons and tons. Uh, facilities goes the same way, great down to wasteland. So, uh, you know, there's some decrepit stadiums out there. Uh, no disrespect to Duke, but Wallace Wade Stadium, yeah, they've they've given it a facelift and stuff, but it, it's not the greatest stadium in the world. Uh, money available is kind of a combination of things. It's sort of like, what is your athletic department generating, but also how are you spending that? So... Um, well, we'll talk about Wisconsin's rankings here in a second, but you know, Wisconsin uh, has a decent-sized pool of money, but uh, it's not very effective in how it's utilized. And they in don't, fact, they don't pay assistant coaches. Exactly right. Assistant coaches are not paid very much. Whereas Iowa, which we'll talk about in a second, um, their athletic director, I've hammered a ton on this show. I'm about to give him a little bit of praise. He is a really good fundraiser. He is raking in the dough. Well, that, that's for this that's like what he does. He comes to the yeah. business world, right? Yeah, he does. Uh, and then the fan expectations. This this is the one weird category. It's not on a five point scale or a five to zero point scale, I should say. It's on a positive two to a negative two. So uh, Texas, for instance you don't win a national title, <laughs> they're out for your head. Um, a school like, oh, let's say Army, for instance, uh, those students pack in their stadium every week. Uh, they get support whether they win or lose, uh, and the expectations are in line. No one that's an Army fan is expected a national title. And then lastly, historic intangibles. So, um, even at its lowest point after the Shula struggle, Alabama was Alabama. No one forgot that like, oh, hey, this is like Bear Bryant. This is like one of the best co programs in the country. Uh, so those intangibles are always going to attract eyeballs and money and presumably good coaches it's why people sort of think miami at some point will get back because they're historic intangible so anyway uh i've only done a couple schools i did our three schools and then for the sake of this kansas and texas so um texas being one of the more high profile jobs in the conference just to get a little bit of a comparison so kansas four points for being in a mid-power conference one point for recruiting in state 1.4 facilities one point for money available, a zero for fan expectations. As Coach said, 
It's a high school fan base. They're just waiting for basketball season. They don't care. Uh, Historic intangibles, all respect to uh, the Mangino era. It gets a zero. Gail Sayers is mad at you right now. Yeah, and that comes out to seven points. Uh, But obviously, these data points need to have points of comparison. So looking at a fellow Big 12 program, one that just recently hired a coach with Sark, uh, a program with a lot more uh, pizzazz with it. Uh, Texas gets the same four points. They're still a Big 12 team. They get a five for recruiting, fairly obvious. Five for facilities. They get a five for the money available. A negative two for fan expectations. Uh, Sark is already on a slightly above room temperature chair. And he hasn't even done anything yet. Uh, historic intangibles, I know Texas fans are going to say they're a 10 out of 5, but uh, let's be realistic. They're a 4 out of 5. Um, long championship droughts. Uh, probably Oklahoma, the more historic program within their own conference. That came out to a 21, which seems about right. Texas should be three times the job Kansas is. Um, so hopefully everyone is having fun. Hopefully the two of you are, at least, since you're my co-hosts. Uh for uh, Georgia, <laughs> Georgia, Wisconsin, Iowa. Uh, again, we worked on this together, so this shouldn't be a surprise to either Matt or Coach. But uh, no. Ge- Georgia, we gave you a five for the SEC. Yeah. Gave you a five for recruiting. Yeah, we're in a, one of the most talent-rich states yeah. in the union. Uh, you were talking about your facilities that are about to be completed, so it gave you a five. For yeah. that state of the art, fa- they were a facility. four. Now they're a five. The, yeah. I think the final, this this new edition is going to be outstanding. Yeah. Uh, money available. Uh, they pay their coaches, and their fan base is willing to buy seat licenses and all yeah, that. Fun stuff. Th- their boosters are not uh, tight with the wallets. No, no, not no. anymore. No. The, the, once upon a time. We had the highest excess funds. Why? Because we were cheap bastards. And we didn't pay <laughs> anything. Like, Mark, Mark Richt was paying assistance out of his own pocket. <laughs> nice. Oh, that, like, that's not give, what you're to supposed give, to do? To, to give him raises. So, we've come a long way in that regard. Uh, well, speaking about Mark Richt, I mean, they, they wanted to fire him year after year after year. Kirby mm-hmm. already feeling a little bit of smoke. They've been uh, trying to fire Kirby for three years now. Mm-hmm. So Ever since gave, he lost the title game. Yeah, so we gave them a negative <laughs> two for fan expectation. Uh, historic intangibles, uh, a three. Um, uh, a very good program overall, but um, what I like to call a bridesmaid program. They, yeah. they unfortunately get overshadowed by Bama. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that came out to a 21. Which is, which is equivalent to Texas, which I feel is pretty fair. Yeah. That's, so that's it, fair. It, so it feels like our scientific systems work it fairly well. Uh, here was Wisconsin's five for a Monster Power Conference. Get that Big Ten bonus. Yep. Uh, Wisconsin's a weird state for recruiting. We gave it a two. Yeah, because insta- I mean, the in-state talent, it's weird. I mean, the in-state talent... Paul Christ and the other coaches have built up a a wall around the state, but you know the wall is only keeping in typically like for lucky one, maybe two four star players a year. Like the twenty twenty two recruiting class cycle 
is very strange because there are four four star or there were five four star in state talents. One of them reclassified to twenty twenty one in San Luis, Wisconsin. But typically in a typical recruiting cycle, you're looking at at most at most two four star players and I think in the rivals.com era, there have been two in-state five-star recruits. Maybe only one. I know Josh Oglesby was one, and John Clay may have been one. The only one I'm sure of, though, is Oglesby. Yeah, and for any person who's wondering, like, why, why is Wisconsin not as high as maybe it could be? You're probably thinking, like, Milwaukee's a big big city why is that not producing more talent it's actually there's tons of basketball talent that Mm -hmm. gets produced from this state and also a little bit of a sport that peels off some people a lot of hockey talent a lot of hockey talent uh but basketball especially i mean there are five stars coming out of wisconsin every single year jalen johnson the five-star freshman at duke who just recently uh decided to forego the rest of his season he's from right outside of madison the state of Georgia is uh, the number is, uh, two player in the country for in high school basketball for this coming uh, for the twenty twenty two or for twenty twenty one. I think I don't think he's even signed yet. He's from Wisconsin as well. I mean, it's it's nuts. There's so much crazy basketball talent in Wisconsin. Uh, facilities we gave a three two. Mm-hmm. Uh, money money uh, active fan base, decent amount of money raised. It's but a three, the, the, it's a solid but, three. Yeah, the the big thing, as we mentioned, not paying assistance. They don't pay. They, well. they don't pay assistance, and they don't. Um, and and they really, you know, they're not here for big buyouts. Yeah, uh, fan expectations was a little bit of a hard one because, um, on one hand, it, it could be a zero in that, um, you know. Wisconsin fan base is pretty loyal to a lot of things, and they went through the lean years of the 80s and 90s, well, 70s and 80s. 90s was the turnaround. But there's been a little bit of rumblings, like now that it's been a couple years uh, where there's been new Big Ten West champions, Northwestern most recently. And Mm -hmm. so, um, Matt, you campaigned pretty well for it to be a negative one. It's a negative one. It's not a negative yeah. two. We're not we're not in Texas territory. We're not in um I'm trying to think of other unrealistic fan base ter- I mean Georgia. Um we're not in Tennessee territory. But we are definitely in the negative because people at, at this point, Wisconsin fans, if there are not ten wins, a minimum of ten wins it's a disappointing season. And so I think that is considering the in-state talent, considering all the other things that they have going on, it has to be in the negative. Yeah. And then historic intangibles. um, It's been great since the 1990s. It was pretty hit or miss before that. Uh, This is a, a program without a national title. They get a two. Yep. We should, should have won. Should have won the 62 national title. Lost to USC in the Rose Bowl. Number one versus number two in that game. Oh, such a shame. Uh, so that, that comes out to a 14, which is right. It, it's a, you know, it's twice the job Kansas is. 
but uh, only two-thirds of the job that a Texas or Georgia is. Yeah, that feels right. And then we get Iowa. Uh, Iowa gets the five points for being in the Big Ten, uh, along with the SEC, a monster power conference. Uh, Iowa recruiting a little bit better than Wisconsin. They get a three. Um, They might not have as many four-star kids, but there's a lot of football players throughout this state. It's it's by far the most popular sport for high school boys to play. So a lot of talent gets generated, even if it's in the two and three star facility, uh, two or three star range Uh, for facilities, gave it a four. Um, A nice practice field was built really recently. A lot of work has been done to Kinnick. Money available is also a four. Fan expectation, we gave a one-two, and that's uh, out of the fact that in the dark days of the 60s, late 60s and into the 70s, when the team was winning like two games a year, they were still selling out every time. And then, well, the 90s turned things around. The 2000s have been pretty good. We've had two coaches since 1979, and... Really, all they need to do is make bowl games. Um, Iowa fans are pretty patient with that. So, you know, you go you go eight wins every year uh, and, and beat Iowa State more often than not and hang with Wisconsin more often than not, beat Minnesota more often than not, you're fine. And then historic intangibles a three, and that comes out to a 20, and that feels right. I mean, Kirk Ferentz has made a ton of money. Our next coach will make a ton of money. And so, yeah, we're, you know, we're not quite a Texas where we have amazing recruits two minutes away from the school. Um, but we're a pretty attractive job. So long story short, Kansas looking at a seven, which is well Oof. below the other, the other uh, numbers we've crunched here tonight. Oof. There we uh, go. Question. Yes, sir. Then, is Kansas a better job than North Dakota State? Ooh. Okay, let's go through our metrics. Fan <laughs> expectations. They've got to be uh, well, well, well inflated right now. Well, negative but, they're, they're inflated, but here's the thing. <laughs> I would think, but I would say that like we've a two to negative two scale though. Alabama still a two because there's high expectations, but they meet them. North Dakota State's in the same place. Yeah, I, I think that result actually it might actually be a zero, where it's it cancels out. Okay, okay. yeah, it's because a zero. yeah, because you know I think a two job for fan expectations. You're really looking. You said Army. You said Army is a yeah. two job. I think. Uh, yeah. I think it's. I think you call Iowa State a two job. Yeah, I think Iowa State has become a two job. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what what else would be a a two job for fan expectations, especially at the power five level. Um, uh, I really think that. Uh, Ooh, North Dakota State gets a five in, <laughs> in uh, yeah. facilities. I'm looking at yeah. the indoor. Yeah. Uh, I really think Indiana's moved into a two territory. Uh, they've made some bowl games recently. So it's not like the Kansas situation where you're just waiting around patiently for basketball. They've made some pool games recently. They are eager to uh, to kind of break through. 
but they are also realistic. I've never, you know, I've never come across an Indiana fan who's basically said, well, this is the year we beat Ohio State and it's just a given. It's like, no, they're like, it would be most Indiana fans are of the mindset. It would be really cool if we beat Ohio State one of these days. And we almost did it this year. Yeah. We were competitive yeah. in the Big Ten this year. Yeah. Uh, Matt, in a might... sport other than basketball. <laughs> uh, Dang, I would. I, State's facilities are. I think Minnesota could school. also be a two. Uh, I know. I know this year they had a little bit mm. of a step back. And, I, think, uh, I think they're a one. And looking at the, one. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I also like. I also know too many, like. Minnesota fans who are way too big for their britches and think that like Minnesota football is God's gift to man and think it's just like and, and Wait, think that are? like um <laughs> and, and, and think hmm. it's just like the 1930s so hmm. um but anyhow uh let's get back to the FCS gents yes let's do it we were about we, to talk about yeah we, your we, neck we, of the woods we, we've now uh spent a solid half hour uh, before even getting into the meat of the program, so which yeah, why not though? Um, over the weekend, uh, we had some good FCS games. The pinnacle though was uh, in the Colonial, Albany versus New Hampshire. This was one of our big games that we picked in spread formations last week. Both, uh, I should say, both coach and I got it wrong. Josh was right. Albany was favored by one and a half, and they won by four. And it was a, uh, it was a, you know what? This was a fun game. This was definitely, I think, the game of the weekend, not just in the Colonial, but across all of FCS football. Because while there were not a ton of yards here in this one, not a, not a whole lot of offense. I mean. 224 total yards for Albany, 186 total yards for New Hampshire. We knew these defenses were going to be good. We didn't know they were going to be that good. And with that, not like there was a turnover. It was a turnover fest either. Only one turnover for each team. Both team, both of them lost a fumble. And quite frankly, Josh, um, you know, I came away from this game thinking that both of these defenses are definitely like final four caliber defenses. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, New Hampshire just made the, uh, the great Danes rushing attack. Absolutely miserable. The average 0.9 yards uh, per carry 32 yards on 37 carries. Um, there was a little bit of sloppiness uh, first game for both teams. And that was, Reflected in the penalty totals, you had uh, between the two teams, 19 whistles, uh, 95, 95 penalty yards on 12 flags for New Hampshire, 43 on seven for Albany. But it came down to, I think, the biggest, uh, you know, playmaker, the biggest X factor for Albany. And it's the growth of that freshman quarterback. He was a freshman standout last year, the sophomore this year. Jeff Undercuffler, and uh, he only had 192 yards, but three touchdowns in a tight scoring game. And Matt, you mentioned it, the turnovers, the one fumble apiece. He had zero interceptions. He was clean in that regard. Uh, he really was the difference in this game as he outplayed 
New Hampshire's quarterback, Max Brosner. So uh, hats off to the Great Danes to, uh, for a great start in a very gritty game. Coach, anything I mean, to add here before we head over to our next game? Uh, no, I mean, just stout defense, and uh, that that can usually get the job done. And w- when you play that good of defense, it's, you know, that elite of defense, that, that bodes well for you in, in, in the future, especially as your offense tends to catch up. Well, let's talk about um, – let's actually stick in the CAA and head next to – a game that we did not think was going to be so close, but James Madison had to come back from down 17 to three at halftime to beat the Phoenix of Elon 20 to 17. And guys, James Madison, now the number one team in the country, obviously with North Dakota state winning last, uh, losing, I should say last weekend. And, uh, the Dukes just did not did not look like themselves, but they did get it going on the ground in the second half. Percy um, Ajayi Obizi, 132 yards and a, and a score on the ground. And coach, I don't know why it took James Madison so long to get it rolling against Elon, but once they did, they were finally able to uh, you know put away the Phoenix who. Uh, you know, I, I know you were actually pretty locked into this one. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I think, you know, Elon did a good job coming out early uh, at home and and delivering the first punches and, and really just kind of taking the game to James Madison. They did everything they possibly could to, to mount to mount an upset. And James Madison just, just is such a class team. I think once they kind of figured it out, got woken up a little bit and, you know, just stopped stepping on their own feet, uh, you know, I think they, they were fine. They started running the ball really good, and, and that's kind of how they that's kind of how they go. If their run game is struggling, they're going to struggle. Uh, but James Madison's always going to find a way to win. But I, I was thoroughly impressed, Matt, with this Elon team. That it seemed like they moved the ball really good. It seems like they start really good um, in, in, uh, at the beginning of games, and that'll, that'll serve them well down the stretch. It just happens that they went up against the number one team in the country. Yeah, Coach, I mean, yeah. you texted us on Saturday saying, Elon's a top 25 team, and I can't disagree with you after, after No, I mean, they, they played like a top one. 25 team. It just, I, I think any other any other opponent, they, they probably win that game, mm-hmm. maybe even win it going away with the way I think they were moving the ball early on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you if you're Elon, you got to just feel terrible about what happened with these turnovers in the game. Uh mm-hmm. so, you know, you're up 17 to 3. You turnovers ju- kill, man. They're, yeah. they're such a killer. Well, here here are some turnovers that'll Obviously. have you pull your hair out, coach. Yeah. Elon's up 17 to 3. They just picked off James Madison. Get yeah. the interception. What do they do 6 plays later? Throw their own interception yeah that's 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 so frustrating because they've got all this momentum now like you're up 17 to 3 you you get a you get a turnover which you know when when you're when you got the pedal down like that the the momentum from that type of thing is just outstanding and when you squander it i feel like that takes way more wind out of your sail when you squander a chance to just blow the game wide open um, more so than just like if the game was tied 
and you traded interceptions, it's probably not as big of a deal. But you're you're up seventeen to three on the number one team in the country, and you're getting ready to blow this thing wide open, and you just piss it away. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to talk about the wind coming out of your sails? Here were the other turnovers in the game. Up seventeen to six, they force a James Madison fumble. Elon goes three plays, negative eight yards, and punts. Yeah. Hats off to the Duke defense. And then here's the final one. Uh, still with the lead. Elon's up 17-13. All right. They're uh-huh. hanging on. Hanging on. James Madison fumbles. Okay. Here we go. Uh, one play, zero-yard fumble, which, which leads to a two-play, 10-yard touchdown drive for James Madison to go up. With the ultimate final score twenty to seventeen. Mm-hmm. Oof, that is Oof. that is gut wrenching. That <laughs> is rough. That that's brutal. That's nah. like the slow torture. You, would you rather, coach? You're a coach. Would you rather lose that way or give up a hail mary in the last one second? Ooh, I don't know. They both suck. <laughs> um, probably just give away a hail mary because at least I don't know if I had to pick between a gut wrenching turnover. Uh, or Hail Mary, I, I guess the Hail Mary because there's that flukish element to it where you can say, um, at least with the turnover, or at least with the, the Hail Mary, it's kind of out of your hands. With the turnover, it's like you had it in your hands, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, god, I just that that reference that interception you referenced first, Josh. I just watched it, um, I somehow missed it, but I just watched it. Oh, my God. It was almost a pick six, first of all. Second of all, he threw it falling away off his back foot, and the thing just floated in the air like a punt. And the receiver just completely stopped on the route. Like, I I don't know how much worse that interception could have been. So, um, I'm going to – I just want to – I'm just going to mention this quickly before we move on in the CAA – Maine is a team we talked about being, you know, a potential dark horse in the Colonial. Delaware came out and beat them like a rented mule this past weekend. 37 to nothing. They held the Black Bears uh, of my dear father's home state to 112 total yards. Well, I guess that goes back to my point of... I wonder what the Bears are going to look like with so many new faces. Well, I guess we found out what they look like if early you, on. It, it, if once you <laughs> take away the penalty yards from the total yards. These turnovers are awful, by the way. No, 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 no. The, but the penalty yards. They had yeah. 112 total yards and 71 penalty yards. That's a net of 51 yards. Mm. 51. Uh. Um, Delaware almost doubled up time of possession. They had three and a half times as many total yards. Delaware might have been my team of the weekend. They were outstanding. The other team, though, that we got to talk about, though, I'm going to move on from the Colonial. We're Elon's gonna... quarterback's wearing a uh, short sleeve hoodie under under shoulder pads. There's the problem. Oh yeah, that is a problem. Um, Let's talk about UC Davis. Idaho, one week after upsetting Eastern Michigan, hosted the Aggies of UC Davis. And this is one of our other uh, pick'em games for this weekend. You guys were both on Idaho. I knew in my heart that the Aggies had some in them. And Hunter Rodriguez, quarterback for Davis, all he did was go out there 
23 for 29, 243 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and a fantastic game. A fantastic game for my man Hunter. The Aggies, Josh, uh, start the season 1-0, and and this was not a trap game for them because they are playing in the game of the week, which we will talk about here in a little bit. It's but a trap. It, Wait, no, no, it's, it's not, not a trap, trap because they won in Idaho. Love the effort from the Aggies here, Josh. Yeah, and I'm going to give some praise to the Aggies here in a second. I do want to say one thing about Idaho. Uh, well, a couple things about Idaho. First of all, they were a uh, high-octane offense, zero-defense team a year ago. And while you sort of thought if they fix that or at least get some resemblance of defense, uh, they'll take the step forward. And while their offense put up 345 yards, they were 8 of 16 on third down, they also had two turnovers. They lost the turnover battle by two. They played zero defense, so it's kind of like, uh uh-oh, let's maybe recalibrate some expectations for this Idaho team. The other thing with this Idaho team is yeah, the final score is 27-17. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that uh, one team played a hockey game and the other team played a four-quarter football game. Uh, Idaho was outscored 13-0 in the fourth and final quarter to uh, to really make this thing nice and further embarrassment at home. So a lot to clean up for Idaho but uh, it, it takes two to tango. Let's not say that this is all in Idaho. Matt, you, you said it perfectly. The The game they got from Hunter Rodriguez was just uh, mid-season form. Absolutely incredible. Uh, 243 yards, three touchdowns. If this was FCS, we'd be going, oh my God, is he on the Heisman watch list after one game? Well, uh, don't they have the Walter Payton trophy for FCS? Yeah, yep. that's the FCS. Yeah, that's the FCS yeah. well, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to say, oh, my God, he's in midseason form. If this team keeps this up because of his absurd days, 23 of 29, 243 and three touchdowns. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, yeah. I think when, when we previewed UC Davis, we were I think we were pretty spot on uh, about them if they figure out the quarterback situation and if they if they nail that down and get good play from from that which was which was a question mark because dude beat out five other guys uh so it, it was a it, it was a battle at the quarterback spot and and hunter rodriguez is kind of i think with this game has kind of firmly settled his way into that oh so, yeah there's no I, doubt he, he wasn't the only one who went off. Did the, you guys see their other they, stats? Alonzo. Cole Crawford, eight catches, 120 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, yeah, yeah. Carson, threw, Crawford, Carson Crawford. Carson Crawford, yeah. and he threw a the, and he threw a pass for 36 yards. Yeah, yeah. I mean and, J- Jared How Jared Harrell. I'm, me and names. Well, how about just, how about their running game? Alonzo Gillian Jr. Yeah, buck 45. This was their first game of the season, too. This offense was a they mid-season up, form. Man. They have we, we knew they had weapons. We just didn't know if they knew how to use them yet because they didn't have like that final piece of the quarterback. Now they do defensively. Connor Connor Airy had 10 tackles, a sack and a pick. Isaiah Thomas, a good game. Um, had a few steals, a, a couple assists. And wait, no, he had an interception. Um, 
And uh, so it, it's, I mean, defense came to play too, man. <laughs> Dude, did you guys and, uh, even see that Rodriguez even attempted an extra point? That's pretty cool. Yeah, that that that, that that's some wild stuff. That's some absolutely wild <laughs> stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that Davis has asserted themselves. We're going to talk about their matchup here with Weaver State in just a little bit. The last thing, um, one of the last games that I want to talk about from this past weekend uh, is back in the MVFC. Josh, your Northern Iowa Panthers. Yes, I'm calling them your Northern Iowa Panthers because, well, a you're you're an Iowan, and b uh, I know one of your best friends from high school went to Northern, and you've been to the Unidome on multiple occasions. Uh, they beat Illinois State, and now you're thinking, eh, Illinois State, you know that's not great. Illinois State might have the tough, the toughest and most ridiculous schedule of any freaking team in the country right now um i i feel bad for them i i I honestly i feel really bad for them they've they had to start with south dakota then northern northern iowa following that they've got they're at north dakota state this weekend and they still have to play at south dakota state and versus north dakota their, their their schedule is absurd, but they are a solid team. I should also shout out because both of my uh, parents in law are Redbird alums. So uh, shout out to, shout out to Illinois State for uh, helping put together my family, I guess. Um, and uh, but Northern Illinois, Josh, um, while it may not have been the prettiest game uh, for them, uh, you know, only a uh, only 239 total yards. Their, yeah. their defense is still just absolutely outstanding. And the Unidome, still a tough place to play. Well, I'd be remiss to not point out, you, you just called them Northern Iowa. It's okay. I, I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, a lot of people call them either Northern Iowa or the best is when they try and do the abbreviation and call them NIU. Which is yeah, they're not obviously they're you and I yeah I'm sorry uh no it's okay it happens but yeah Matt you you hit the the concern and yes they've won two games in a row they're back uh, on track two and one uh, with North Dakota State losing a game this conference is wide open um, because then South Dakota State lost and. You know, as much as North Dakota got off to a hot start, people still sort of think that they are a lesser team in the conference. So Panthers are sitting pretty. But there's this concern. Do they have enough offensive juice in the tank? And it's not a recipe for success of winning conference titles, let alone national titles, when you're going four of 16 on third down, you're having 239 yards. You're averaging just four and a half yards per pass. You're averaging just 2.8 yards per carry. I mean, I know Woody Hayes loves that number, and you talk about three yards in cloud of dust, but 91 rushing yards on 33 carries is a really good way to let opponents hang around. And, well, they let Illinois State hang around. This game was tied 10 apiece going into the fourth quarter. So, yeah, the defense is phenomenal, but this offense is nowhere near midseason form. It's the opposite of what we just talked about with uh, the Aggies. Well, so you, you have drops yeah. and you have, like, 
uh, leakage and pass protection, just uh, stalemate in the run game, which is not really good. Not not getting any push, not getting any solid run game. I mean, you just it's just you know some teams <clears throat> come out firing all cylinders, and some teams yeah. don't. And, and this costly pick six that they threw in the second quarter nearing halftime, yeah, that doesn't help either. Yeah. That didn't help it, either. No. And, and you get to, to tie to Boa, at least on what I was going to talk about, you, you get to kind of a red flag for this. Um, like that was a dumb throw. Yeah. yeah that's it, a red flag to me. Yeah. That's a, that is, but uh, unless you're that vintage, and now it feels so dated to bring this up, but unless you're that vintage Chip Kelly Oregon offense, Time of possession is still an important metric. Mm-hmm. And Northern Iowa lost the time of possession battle to a team that didn't even have 200 rushing or 200 mm-hmm. yards total. That's a cause for concern because, like, North Dakota can control the ball, North Dakota State can control the ball. So Panthers have got to get some more offensive firepower. They've got to find it scheme-wise. They've got to do a better job of protecting. I mean, I think basing your entire run game off your quarterback runs is probably not a sustainable resource. I, I think if you're going to – got to be more dynamic than that, you know. And getting him killed back there and not protecting. I mean, I'm, I'm watching plays where three or four guys are getting through – and basically, your o, your O linemen are, are given lookout blocks, and it's not good. So you got to do a better job of protecting in the pass game. You've got to do a better job. The, the the other guys, someone else has to step up and make a play offensively, whether it be a running back, a wide receiver. At this point, it doesn't matter. It needs to be someone, and it can be anyone. So they have to figure out a way to find a playmaker. Take advantage of it, and then take advantage of what they're going to get by the other team now trying to take away that playmaker. So um, that's their challenge. That's what they got to do. And and lucky for them, they get that lesson learned in a victory and not a loss. I so rem- hopefully they take advantage of that too. I remember my first lookout block. Was it a good one? Freshman year, high school football. Uh, preseason scrimmage. I got ran over so bad, I got lifted off the air, and I looked back. I was like, "Yo, playing against Plymouth High School. I'm playing tight end. I got beat on uh on a uh, it was a swim move, I think, by a defensive end so badly. I mean, this is like my like some of my first football ever. I freshman year was my first year playing football, and I got beat. Like I'd been in practice for like a week, I because I moved uh. there late. We're playing, we're playing against Plymouth, and I got beat. And I just my quarterback, his name was Alex Penny, great kid, really good quarterback, led us to the state title, uh, my junior year. I just, I just got absolutely big. I literally yelled, "Penny, look out!" And I and he turned to look and Penny got absolutely obliterated. 
like absolutely blitter. And so instead of getting blindsided, he got like he got face mask to face mask from the defensive end that I completely mm. whiffed on. Mm. Mm. And he was not your best friend at that point, was that's it? when I learned what the term lookout block meant. Yeah. So uh But l- luckily, Porter, luckily for you and I, they they've got you and I not NIU. Uh, they figured out how to play some defense. Yeah, well, and unfortunately for well, unfortunately for me, Coach Porter, uh, the man who taught me everything I know about football, Coach Tim Porter, uh, he made me run laps, a lot of laps at practice the next day. So uh, yeah, I don't blame him. Um, I don't blame him either. But you know what? It all worked out because uh, he hired me when I was uh, twenty years old to work for his company uh, when to uh, frame houses. So it all worked out there in the end. Go. My my when when I did my uh, worst lookout block, my dad was just running. My dad ran through that same play like twenty times, just silent in disappointment, pointing the laser on me, grumbling a little bit. Mm-hmm. That was my experience. Yeah, and then then my running back coach sitting right next to me, looking at me like shaking his head, like, "What was that?" Yeah. What what was that? Yeah. All right, guys. So a lot of that happening in the whatever y'all called that building. All right, guys. Before we get into this week's games, I want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether it's the rare, dead stock, or latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to snap up that pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And it protects sellers with a verified return process. And so for all you sneakers sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to flip your collection. So head on over to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Gents, last week we picked three games. Josh and I both went two and one. Coach went one and two. We were all on the correct side of North Dakota versus South Dakota. North Dakota was a seven-point favorite. They won by 11. Josh had Albany covering that one-and-a-half-point spread over New Hampshire. Coach and I were on the wrong side. I had UC Davis covering... as a four and a half point dog against Idaho, they won outright. Feeling pretty good about that, guys. This week, though, we are looking at five games, five different games, because we are now in the full, full schedule for FCS football. Um, our first game this weekend, um, though is going to be uh, UC Davis at Weber State. Uh, Weber State is a 10.5-point favorite at home. Josh, uh, they are now 
Weaver State, the number one team in the country. What side are you on? Well, that's a big spread, and we gave a lot of love to those Aggies. So I'm sure everyone's expecting me to say, upset alert, watch out, watch out. I'm actually going to go with Weber State. Um, mm. I I know they were off. Their their game against Cal Poly was postponed. Uh, so I'm looking back at their Idaho State stats. And the fact is they are the number one team for a reason. They were up 42 to 7 in that game uh, before the Bengals got a couple of touchdowns off people Deep in the bench. I don't know if I don't know if Weber, Weber State found like six stringers to put in, but two cosmetic touchdowns made it ultimately 49 to 21. Weber killed them. And yes, Idaho lost by 10, but Idaho moved the ball. And I think we're probably overlooking the fact because it was a couple weeks ago, but Bronson Barron had 312 yards and four touchdowns. He carved up Idaho State. I am going with Weber. Ooh, coach. See, I'm 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 buying UC Davis now. My one and two picks, Matt. I know who you're going to pick now, but um, I'm I'm buying uh, Rodriguez. I think he's the real. I think he's for real. UC Davis has a lot of weapons. They they've got some firepower defensively, uh, some stopping power defensively. I should say, really. Uh, Weber State, you know, we we, we know what they're going to bring, uh, but I think UC Davis is proving that they might be for real. I'm I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to ride with the Aggies. Weber State wins a one score game here, as far as I'm concerned. So I like Weber State to win, but I love the track the Aggies are on. So give me Aggies plus ten and a half. Next, we are going to head. Uh, to the game between Northern Iowa, Josh, and Southern Illinois. Northern Iowa is a four-point favorite on the road. Who do you like? Yeah, tough one because you're getting road favorite status, but has you and I deserve that? Um Look, Southern Illinois is three and one. They're coming off of a win over Youngstown State, but it was not the prettiest game. In fact, if you look at the stats, Youngstown State probably won everything but the final score. Youngstown State had 200 rushing yards, 300 overall yards, 12 of 19 on third down, um, dominated time of possession by 15 minutes. Um, I guess Youngstown State just had a lot of uh, yardage between the the 20s. Uh, I guess a, a bend but don't break day for Southern Illinois. Um, Southern Illinois good. They're a good team. They beat North Dakota State. They're a hungry team. They're playing at home. But there's this nagging feeling of defenses win championships. UNI has one of the best defenses in the entire country. This might be the game where that lack of offensive pop bites my butt hard. But I'm going to be a homer and take the Panthers to cover on the road. Get it, Josh. Coach. 
Ooh, okay. So, Matt. Mm. Um, Southern Illinois at home. Salute. Against Northern. Against, uh, against NIU, Josh. NIU. Do you, do you like? Uh, they're not playing Northern Illinois. Just kidding. <laughs> um, you and I is uh, obviously got some issues to work out, and I, I don't think that traveling on the road to Southern Illinois is the place that they're going to work out those issues. I think some things are going to go south for them if they don't figure out a pass protection, b how to get a stronger run game, and c how to have a playmaker emerge because their defense can only carry them so far. It can only make plays so many times before it breaks. And I think Southern Illinois is going to be the team that breaks them. I think you're going to see an upset here. Give me the Salukis. Ooh, coach. Um, I was already going to take Northern Northern Iowa, and now that coach took Southern Illinois, I feel even better about it. Yes. Uh, next. Hey, no risk it, no biscuit, right? I guess that's what they say. Uh, next, we have the aforementioned Illinois State uh, Redbirds playing at the Fargo Dome. North Dakota State, 13-point favorite at home, Josh. Uh, how you feeling? Yeah, uh, nice bounce-back victory for North Dakota State. They beat Missouri State, the Bears, 25-0. I still have my concerns about North Dakota State's offense and winning a national title. Uh, I think they've had enough red flags now that, you know, they're probably not the favorite now entering the playoffs. We can certainly change our picks when we come to playoff time, but as it stands now, they're no longer the favorite. But they just shut out their opponent. They did put up 25 points. They had that really good running attack. I think they barely cover, but they do. Coach, I like the I'm going Bison all the way. Yeah, no question asked yeah, here. It, bison, 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 Bison. Yeah. All right, next game we're looking at. Um, we are headed over to the game between Nickel State and Sam Houston State, and uh, Nichols is only a two point dog on the road. This is going to be a good one, Josh. Uh, Sam Houston State two point favorite. Who do you like? Well, uh, you know, no, no point in hiding it. I know nothing about this Nickel State football team, and so to do some show prep, I was looking at their schedule, and oh my god, they beat Lincoln, Missouri, eighty seven to three. But okay, that's that's a D two school or NAI or whatever. You know, that's that's the tune up game. Well, then they beat Lamar, and Lamar is a bad program, but. It's still an FCS team, and they smoked them 55 nothing. And then they went on the road, first true road game, and they won it 31-24. They're getting really solid quarterback play from Lindsey Scott Jr. And Sam Houston State, well, they were an up-and-down team a year ago and a pretty inauspicious start to the season. They won 43-38 to against Southeast Louisiana. Uh, they had an absolutely bonkers game from their quarterback, quarterback Eric Schmid. But uh, Nichols is just more proven so far 
this deep into the season, I'm going to take an upset. Give me the road dog. Ooh. I'm going to take the home favorite. I, I think it's going to be a field goal game. I think it's going to be a three to six point game, but I think Sam Houston being at home with this, they're explosive. I mean, Nichols is explosive as well. I think it's going to be a high scoring affair. So um, I'm going to add another caveat here. If I'm going to bet this game, I'm going to take Sam Houston State. I'm also going to take the over. And uh, that being said, it's going to be a six to three game. <laughs> um, Coach, uh, Sam Houston State got uh, was off last weekend. Nichols State, uh, they played Northwestern State in a closer game than they. I think that they would have liked to have had. Uh, I like the rest that Sam Houston State had. So give me Sam Houston in this one. All right, guys. Well, uh, that sounds good to me. Uh, so. With that, I think we're going to finish up our show for the week. We'll be back next week to recap these games, preview some more FCF stuff, and who knows, maybe Kansas will have a new coach by then. So, until next time, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach Corey Burton here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois, this is the Professor Emeritus in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We buried a lead, gentlemen. No. Arkansas Pine Bluff winners over Southern. 33-30. Next game. That, that definitely shocked the <laughs> HBCU world. Next game at Grambling. It's an all of it, March 20th. Yeah, there you go. Uh, congratulations to my dog, uh, co-host of, uh, I say dog, D-A-W-G, co-host of Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast, got his new gig at Monroe Comprehensive High School. He is the offensive coordinator uh, there, so he just started that this week. So I uh, got a big show coming up this week with uh, with J-Boy, so stay tuned to that as well after you listen to this. Coach Monroe Comprehensive High School, I think that's South Georgia. That is in Albany. Albany, yes. so uh, near Valdosta. Sort of. It's in. It's closer to the southwest corner, okay. so it's like an hour from Valdosta, like an hour northwest of Valdosta. Oh, interesting. Okay. Who yeah. Would you know? By the way, we. <laughs> so it's close <laughs> to like Thomasville. It's like real, it's like less than an hour from. For, it's closer to Tallahassee than it is to. Valdosta. By the way, by the way, Coach, an hour ago you mentioned primetime and Jackson State. Did you want to talk about Grambling at all? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I, I sent you guys a text of that catastrophic fumble. Uh, the, you want to talk about the worst way. Like, you want to talk about gut-wrenching. Like, you have the ball at the one-yard line, and you're going in to score to win the game, and boop, out pops the ball. Ugh. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.